thank you for tuning in to the LGBTQ Plus News and Chat Podcast. Download the Anchor.fm app to leave a message about the show or request to be a guest to share your story. Segments tonight are being recorded from a public restaurant. Please be aware of there will be background noises. This was published in The Guardian from Australia. This could have been written anywhere. This piece was published anonymously to protect the writer. Even though it was written from a cisgender person, it could apply to anyone in a relationship. Dear Prime Minister, I'm writing to express my deep concern about your recent announcement of a joint parliamentary inquiry into family law and child support. I write to you from a position of significant experience as a person who has lived through domestic violence and who continues to suffer its effects post-separation. I share parental responsibility of my children and co-parent to the best of my ability with the man who tried to strangle me and who continues to expose our children to domestic violence. Not only has this man threatened murder-suicide on multiple occasions, he is the means to enact his threats through access to firearms that were confiscated by police and then promptly released to another person for safekeeping. I wake up each day wondering if this will be the day he decides to end my life as he promised. I have no lawful way to avoid regular contact with this man and I dutifully follow our parenting orders to the letter. As well as being a mother, I am a public servant doing my utmost every day to keep people safe. My colleagues and I work with men and women who have experienced domestic violence and we work with men and women who have perpetrated it. We rely every day on the work of experts on this complex social issue to guide us and ask only that you do likewise. Please listen to those on the front line who grapple with complexity, fear, and risk every day and who understand what needs to be done. I do not need sympathy or hollow words, and nor do the other victims of domestic violence across our country. I need to know that my government cares enough about my life and the lives of my children to act now to implement what you already know needs to be done. It may very well be the case that the terms of reference of your new inquiry are important to many, but they should not undermine the safety of children and families who need you to act now. My concern about the facts of this inquiry is amplified by the appointment of Senator Pauline Hansen as co-chair. Hansen has demonstrated through her own words that she is incapable of exercising impartiality in relation to these issues and is therefore unsuitable choice to lead this piece of work. She has made it clear that she believes that women like me routinely lie about domestic violence. I could assure you, Prime Minister, that I have not lied and I am generally distressed by Hansen's comments. I am fearful that my abuser will take confidence from Hansen's rhetoric and that I will even be less safe than I was before she so publicly called me and other women like me a liar. 
I assure you that I want nothing more or less than to feel and be safe because I have so little faith in the current systemic responses to domestic violence. I keep a small notebook that I have labeled for the coroner. In it, I have recorded each and every interaction I have had with government and government-funded systems and services in my quest for safety and a life free of fear and control. I made, have made, clear, made it clear to my friends and family that this notebook is to be provided to the Women's Legal Service in the event of my death at the hands of my former husband. I do this not to be morbid, but because I want my voice to be heard at my inquest. If I have to make the ultimate sacrifice in the name of shared parental responsibility, I want Australia to know what happened and why. If the worst were to happen, I want everyday people to understand how the systems our governments have built over many election cycles have conspired to cause my death and render two young children motherless. This is not a social issue that can be reduced to the sum of its parts. It is not a problem that political posturing and acquiescence to those with extreme and biased views can fix. Do something that will make a difference now. Call a royal commission if you must, but please, please, please listen to the experts. Don't use this newly announced inquiry as an excuse to sit on your hands and do nothing to implement the recommendations of the Australian Law Reform Commission and the House of Representatives Standing Committee. Please engage with smart people with the capacity to sit with untold complexity and hear the stories of everyday Australians without being tempered, tempted to recommend simplistic knee-jerk responses that will tip the precarious social balance backward and cause more death and devastation. By pursuing the course of action you have chosen, you have emboldened those who choose to use violence against their partners and you have rendered victims more fearful and more reluctant to come forward than ever. How is this the best interest of the country you lead? I understand that you need to keep Hansen on side in the Senate, but surely you have other skills in your leadership toolbox you can use to influence and collaborate without hanging vulnerable victims of family violence out to die.
Rest in Power, Brianna Hill. Brianna Hill, a black transgender woman, was found shot to death in Kansas City, Missouri. Hill, who was 30 years old, was shot at 11.30 a.m. this past Monday. KCTV reports she was dead before police arrived. Police said that the shooter was found at the scene of the crime and that he has been taken into custody. Police Captain Tim Hernandez said that they are not looking for other suspects. Investigators are trying to establish the motive for the killing. Hill is the second transgender woman murdered in Kansas City this year. Earlier this year, Brooklyn Lindsay was fatally shot in Kansas City. She is also the 21st transgender person this year in the country. All but one have been women of color. Matthew Shepard's parents call out the Trump administration for acting like they care about their son's death while supporting discrimination about against LGBTQ people. Nearly 10 years ago today, the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act passed Congress. The law allowed the federal government to track hate crimes and to intervene in cases where local and state law enforcement officers aren't able to properly investigate and prosecute hate crimes. <coughs> the Justice Department held an event to honor the 10th anniversary of the legislation. Dennis and Judy Shepard, whose gay son, Matthew, was brutally murdered in 1998, didn't attend, but they sent a statement calling out Attorney General William Barr and Donald Trump for their opposition to LGBTQ equality. The Shepherds called on Barr to take a stand as a member of this administration to disavow and condemn any person who fuels the fires of hate with their words and actions. They also brought up the three cases currently before the Supreme Court about whether Civil Rights Acts protects LGBTQ people. The Trump administration and the Justice Department have filed briefs in the cases arguing against LGBTQ protections. We find it interesting and hypocritical that Barr would invite us to this event commemorating a hate crime law named after our son and Mr. Byrd, while at the same time asking the Supreme Court to allow the legalized firing of transgender employees, the statement said. You cannot have it both ways. If you believe that employers should have the right to terminate transgender employees just because they are transgender, then you believe they are lesser than and not worthy of protection. Attorney General Barr did not attend the Justice Department event either, and he sent a statement saying that hate crimes are reprehensible, precisely because they are fueled by bias against specific people and groups. They also are a grave affront to America's foundational principles and ideals, his statement said. Head over to AaronStore.com and browse away and look for podcast stuff coming real soon. Listener support is much appreciated. 
Donate as little or as much as you like. Hey, listeners, if you wish to comment on any or all segments of the show, you must download the Anchor.fm app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. A Scottish man named Craig Stodden is facing serious punishment after he struck a nine-year-old boy in the chest last December 7th. Stodden then cursed the child out and then told him to go stand outside in the rain, all for being a gay boy. According to prosecutor Vicki McMillan, Stodden shouted at the boy to get the F out of here. This caused the boy to cry. The accused bent down to him and shouted, Why the F are you crying? and then struck him to the chest. After the blow caused the boy to fall onto the floor, his mother entered the room and told Stodden to leave the child alone. Stodden then allegedly called the boy a pussy and a gay boy and a homosexual and then told the kid to get the F out. I don't want you in this house anymore. Effectively sending the child outside of his own home to stand alone in the heavy rain without wearing shoes or a jacket. Some passers-by in a car saw the child and then invited him to take shelter in their car. At this point, Stodden went outside and not seeing the child, asked the car's driver if they had seen the boy. Stodden apparently didn't see the child in the car's back seat. After the driver asked the boy if he knew Stodden, the boy cleverly said no. The driver then took the boy to the local police station. When the child's mother later called the police to report her son is missing, police informed her that he was at the station. Stodden was later arrested when authorities at the hospital saw that his punch to the child's chest had resulted in serious bruising. Sheriff Elizabeth McFarlane, who serves as the sentencing judge overseeing the case, told Stodden, I was just thinking there must be, must have been a very good reason for you to behave like this, but I can't think of any reason why you would say that to this boy. The impact on that young boy will probably be lifelong. I'm glad I'm not sentencing you today. I'm glad I will have three weeks to reflect. Stodden will be will face sentencing on October 23rd. A federal judge Tuesday struck down the portion of the Affordable Care Act that forbids anti-transgender discrimination in health care, a decision that is likely to be appealed, meaning the provision will stand while the court process continues. The provision, Section 1557, also bars insurers and health care providers from discriminating on the basis of sex or of a patient's previous pregnancy termination. But U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor in the Northern District of Texas ruled that Section 1557 interferes with providers' religious freedom and therefore violates the Federal Religious Freedoms Restoration Act. The Hill reports. A lawsuit challenging the rule came from five conservative states and the Franciscan Alliance, a group of Christian health care providers. They sued in 2016 when Barack Obama, who signed the ACA into law, was still president. 
and his administration defended Section 1557. But when Donald Trump became president, his administration withdrew defense of the provision. Two private nonprofit groups, River City Gender Alliance and the American Civil Liberties Union of Texas, stepped in to defend it in the absence of the federal government's advocacy. The Trump administration has also proposed revising the section to exclude the ban on discrimination based on gender identity. O'Connor had earlier issued a nationwide injunction against enforcement of the section, meaning it was still part of the law, but the federal government could not sue a health care provider for discrimination. An appeal of his ruling today would keep the section intact for now, but the federal government would still not enforce it. Last year, in a separate case, O'Connor found the entire ACA unconstitutional, but the law still stands and makes health insurance available as that ruling is being appealed. His ruling Tuesday is far from the last word on Section 1557, transgender rights activists pointed out. The ruling firmly places Judge O'Connor's court and the Trump administration on the fringe of the legal establishment, particularly when combined with his odd ruling against the entire Affordable Care Act. Gillian Branstetter, media relations manager for the National Center for Transgender Equality, told the advocate. The ruling does not, however, change the fact that transgender people remain covered under Section 1557 as read by literally every other federal court, nor does it erase the tens of thousands of comments defending the 2016 rule on both moral, legal, and public health grounds. We remain determined to defend the right of every patient to fair and equitable treatment by providers and insurers regardless of who they are or who they love. Brandstetter also pointed out that regardless of the Trump administration's lack of enforcement, anyone could still challenge a denial of care by a provider or denial of coverage from an insurer under Section 1557. Trans people are still challenging insurers and providers in court as we speak. And as the progress in the Evan Minton case in California shows, they are still winning. A state appeals court recently affirmed Minton's right to have his lawsuit over the denial of his hysterectomy heard, reversing a lower court's dismissal of the case. State attorney generals and governors are still securing settlements from insurance carriers under Section 1557, as the case of Emblem Health in New York shows, Brandstetter added. Emblem Health was fined by the state last year for insufficient coverage of gender confirmation surgeries and directed to cover them in the future. Any trans person who experiences discrimination in a healthcare setting can and should seek legal recourse and in any court but Judge O'Connor's. They should expect to win. Representative Elijah Cummins, the chair of the House Oversight Committee and a prominent figure in the Trump impeachment inquiry, has passed away at the age of 68. The Maryland congressman 
died from complications related to long-standing health challenges, his spokesperson said in a statement to the New York Times. Cummings served 12 full terms representing Maryland's 7th Congressional District and first took office after winning special election in 1996. He was widely cheered for his remarks at the 2016 Democratic National Convention where he declared that the party does not just believe but understands that Black Lives Matter and also recognizes that our community and law enforcement work best when they work together. The Maryland Democrat who recently made headlines after be being repeatedly targeted by President Donald Trump was also a consistent ally and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. Cummings was a fierce critic of the legislation that would allow employers to discriminate based on sexual orientation. During a 2016 hearing, the lawmaker swiftly debunked the logic behind the proposed First Amendment Defense Act or FADA bill that would prevent the government from taking action against businesses or individuals who discriminate against LGBTQ plus people. The legislation is similar to Mississippi's HB 1523, the harshest religious freedom law in the United States. As Think Progress reported at the time, Cummings asked the panel of witnesses some basic questions about your views on discrimination and they inquired whether or not they thought it was okay to discriminate based on race, gender, or disability. No one raised their hands and then he asked the same question about people in same-sex marriages. By that time, not even a single FADA supporter raised their hand. The bill was called for a hearing in Congress exactly one month after the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, in which 49 people were gunned down during the gay bar's Latin night. At the time, it was the largest mass shooting in U.S. history. Cummings said the timing couldn't have been more inappropriate. Even if you truly believe that being gay is morally wrong, or that people should be allowed to discriminate against gay people, why in the world would you choose today of all days to hold a hearing on this discriminatory legislation, he said. FADA has yet to become law despite being backed by Trump, but Cummings had been an ally of the LGBTQ plus community for years, expressing his support for same-sex unions during the lead-up to Maryland's historic 2012 referendum on marriage equality. After becoming the first U.S. state to limit the definition of marriage to one man and one woman in 1973, it also became the first to pass the freedom to marry in a statewide vote, 52.4% to 47.6%. The law took effect in January 2013. In, moment, in comments I'm sorry, to the Washington Blade, Cummings recognized that society had become had come a long way on that issue. He said, I'm the son of two Pentecostal ministers. In my home, women putting on makeup was considered a sin. 
that's the kind of house I grew up in. And so you can imagine some issues are very, very difficult. But while Cummings admitted that he wasn't always supportive of same-sex marriage, he told the LGBTQ plus newspaper that his feelings on the subject evolved following a 2012 vice president debate between Joe Biden and Paul Ryan. Although Biden describes himself as personally pro-life, he said supports women he said supports women's reproductive rights because he does not want to subject other people to his feelings. I said to myself, how would I feel if somebody told me that I could not marry my wife for a lifetime, he said. My position is we have one life to live. There is no dress rehearsal, and this is their life. And after the Supreme Court issued its 2015 landmark ruling that made same-sex marriage the law of the land, Cummings celebrated the landmark LGBTQ plus rights victory. It so clearly and rightly upholds the principles of freedom and equality under the law that our nation embodies, he said in a statement. I congratulate Mr. Ogerfield and all of those who have fought so hard for this decision for these many years. Today our nation celebrates with you. Your courage and determination to defend your civil rights should be an example to us all as we work to protect and defend people's rights across this great nation. As the nation mourns a beloved figure who dedicated his life to advancing civil rights, Cummings should also be remembered for serving as a profile in courage for LGBTQ plus Americans. Thank you again for tuning in to the LGBTQ News and Chat Podcast. Talk to you soon.